0: Up,
1: you sports fans. My name is Jeff. Home run, Upshaw. My name is Tucker. The. You know what? You come up with these great ideas for bits, Jeff, and then I can't. <laughs> and then I can't think of how to do it because what's my baseball nickname? I I, I don't know. The grand total of my life experience with baseball was like playing it little league in first grade, like literally pre 11 Pre nine eleven. Uh the 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 World Trade Center existed at the time that I played baseball. And I mean, the, that's all I can say about all that. All
0: I'm gonna say is that the wordplay abounds. You could you could have been Tucker Tucker the shortstop shoal uh tucker bases loaded Shul- there i mean there's such a rich vein here
1: i mean you yeah yeah if you just like literally reference terms from baseball fine but i'm like am i supposed to rhyme is there supposed to be some sort of alliteration going on because is it supposed to relate to like things that i do with baseball because all i remember yeah what what are you known for what all, kind of heat are you bringing I to the table i remember like doing like i was absolutely the the kid who um you know, was on the baseball team and, you know, people would give out trophies, but it was in kind of the participation trophy era. So they would actually give the trophy to the kid who like was good at hitting a ball and good at throwing a ball and good at catching a ball. And they'd give the trophy to me. I I think I literally got the happy to be me trophy, (laughs) like, uh, which gives you, which should give you an idea of what my, um, skills in uh, America's pastime.
0: Yeah. I uh I played upward basketball for a number of years at the uh at the request of my parents because it was well rounding for me as an individual, mm. I suppose. And uh, I so you had stars for offense and defense and sportsmanship and everything. Every week, I got the Christlike star ah. or the sportsmanship star, which are not negative things, but it's also very much the euphemism of, like, you know, oh, these aren't plus size jeans. They're husky. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, well, you were the most Christlike, and it's like, yeah, but I also wasn't good at offense, was I?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're not going to give a kid, like, a negative trophy. Imagine if they did, though. Give I me mean-
0: the all-negative upward basketball be like hey do you remember that time you whiffed five rebounds in a row hey do you remember that time you just kept throwing
1: air balls so audience why are we talking about baseball why is it on our mind simply because this past friday as i think one of our first big post-covid things and i'll be honest i've been out to like eat and such since then but like as the first big event that i went to uh we went to see minor league baseball just local minor league baseball just cuz we had free tickets and uh not only was this the first like th- big thing that I've done since um you know uh, covid started but and and I think it at least in our area it's effectively over we can say but um it's the first time I attended a a baseball game since Again, the 9/11 reference comes to my head again, but like, <laughs> wow, you must have spent a lot of time watching The Fugitive lately. Oh, I'm just going to go ahead and throw that oh, plug okay. in there. We'll, we'll we'll explore that more <laughs> lately, but um, yeah, no, uh baseball's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> I mean, yeah, like point blank, I uh, I there's a a like a weird soft spot in my heart for athletic events, just because as someone who spent a lot of time around athletic bands and marching band and stuff, you know, I spend a lot of time watching sports in person. Um, you know, like watching basketball, doing pet band, watching football, doing band and stuff like that. Baseball, not so much, strangely. But yeah, so it, it was cool. It was this weird, almost 1980s, it's morning in America slice of life where I was, you know, I was sit. my butt was in the chair. I was drinking a beer. I was watching, you know, the home team and there were people cheering and you know it was just it was a, a slice of you know we where we were
1: we literally got cracker jacks we we did get
0: do we get peanuts um no no so, missed out on the peanuts, but okay. we did get Cracker Jacks. We did root for the home team.
1: You, you can get peanuts anywhere, <laughs> to be fair, but like, in what context does anyone think of Cracker Jacks but for baseball? Other than in
0: a, at a baseball game, yeah. no. I mean, I imagine that the American institution of baseball is the only thing keeping those just ungodly snacks alive. I'll I will be like real, them pretty well. I'm not a big fan of Cracker Jacks. I hated them as a child, and I don't like them now.
1: Like, I will be honest, the only reason I really thought to get them was, hey, I was at a baseball game, and I, I don't think I've had them in forever, but once I had them, pretty good little sweet and salty, you know, nice little... Caramel layer over your popcorn. What what's not to like? Do you do
0: you remember that time you said, "Hey, I'm going to order a pretzel so it doesn't take a long time," hey. and then there we stood, basically <sighs> for the entire duration of the Byzantine
1: Empire. Well, you know, nothing was real. Nothing really happened in the game during that. No, there was, absolutely not. There there were long stretches where no one was. There were no runs, and then like very brief bursts where the crowd was going wild because there was a home run with the bases loaded and you know, all that kind of thing.
0: And then the, the away team just decided to score five points on us in one inning, and then we lost 9-7. It felt very bad.
1: Yeah, it felt bad, but on a certain level, that bad was good because at least we were, again, out doing something. And to be clear, audience... We are very uh, responsible individuals. We've both been fully vaccinated. Okay. So we think that, you know, we're, we're, we're adults. We can kind of decide, okay, you know what, it, it, we, we'll just go and have a good time at the field. I mean, the,
0: the way I see it, if you're not literally violating a CDC guideline, you're probably at least within a defensible position for what you're doing. Because, again, like, you know, the the wisdom at least a couple of weeks ago from the CDC was if you are vaccinated, you can kind of do lots of things now, right. which was, you know, confusing and counterintuitive to what a lot of us have been told for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And that's not me saying there's any conspiracy or anything. I don't like where this is going directionally for my podcast.
1: Well, you yeah, know, we're not saying... talking about the politics. Cause I just want to know. No, like... no, no. Not at all. Literally
0: not at all. Just that we we have done our due diligence. We are vaccinated. I actually had COVID a year ago, which was not fun. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, this uh, is the
0: COVID-19 episode.
1: We just want to give people like an idea that we don't like literally just sit in our room and watch tv all day so that we can create content to uh talk about on this podcast i mean we could talk about the game but the thing is again we're not sports guys like no the the entirety of our experience with sports is like for peripheral things like you were in band so of course you experience big sports games through that thing and that sort of thing so um i cannot comment on anything except like the broadest strokes of number 44 Probably not our team's greatest pitcher out there.
0: <laughs> I very specifically remember just getting to the end of that ending and being like, oof, a <laughs> bad day to be number 44. If you're listening to this, number 44, come on the pod.
1: Come on the pod. Um, We want to talk with you. And if you talk, if you like actually show up. On our podcast, all is forgiven, you know.
0: Yeah, no, we'll forgive that atrocious ending of just letting everyone and their brother get a hit on you. Right. You know what? And honestly,
1: maybe he's a great player. We like literally, like, we're not, I'm not, I don't plan on necessarily going back to a baseball game. This season, a minor league baseball game. For all I know, he's awesome, and he literally just had a bad day. So, yeah,
0: maybe maybe he'll fare better against the Doughboys. That is a real team in our conference, by the way. Really, the Johnson City Doughboys,
1: and we're the. I guess we can just go ahead and say it. we are the Axmen, and I, I guess we're we're the Axmen now because it's like it's supposed to be evocative of of Daniel Boone and the various pioneers who just you know went down and uh you know. Cut, Cut down, down trees, trees for lumber. But it's funny. <laughs> Were the George Washingtons? <laughs> it's funny because the announcer he had like a weird. Like tick where Axe sounded like X, sort of. So we just heard like X Men repeatedly, X-Men. Yeah. which would be an awesome name for a team. Well, and see,
0: Axemen is a tricky title because you can miss it one way and go X Men, or you can miss it the other way and go Ass Men.
1: <laughs> and so,
0: like, really, there's a very specific amount of tact you have to have when discussing our local team. <laughs>
1: um, uh, you know, I'm fine with either, you know, um, uh, great. <laughs> Ass Men, you know what, you do, you man. Um, We're not not here to yuck any yums on this podcast.
0: So, Uh, as you've probably guessed by now, Tucker and I have been watching some Quibi.
1: (laughs) Yes, Quibi. Uh, Okay, let's back up a little bit. Um, Quibi is already, I say this word and it dates you right back to like 2020 when everyone everyone was roasting uh, this. For those who don't know, Quibi was perhaps the boldest experiment of the streaming era. And you know, if it failed, it was not because of a lack of talent and funding capital behind this project. It was the brainchild of Jeffrey Katzenberg, big, a big wig at um, Disney for many years. So obviously he, you know, he, he knows how to run, like create content. And, uh, the person I think actually overseeing the day to day operations effect, I forget their specific titles in this, but um, the person who was like running it as a company was uh, Meg Whitman, who was for many years the uh, CEO of HP. She went on to like run for governor of California. She didn't win, but the point is like she's a substantial person and she's a substantial person within the tech world so you have hollywood and you have silicon valley and they were coming together to create this streaming service and like everybody and his brother is making a streaming service now but oh no the whole pitch here was that this was going to consist of of a variety of original programs that all ran for seven minutes an episode uh, this is where the title of the uh, streaming service comes from because it was supposed to be, you know, quick bites, quibby. You know,
0: uh, it's it's just a it's a little you know it sounds like something you would say. Excuse me, after you know, like a, a quibby. Oh, sorry.
1: And again, I don't want to date ourselves too much. In I, this I would date me. I fine. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you're married. Narcissus so has entered the chat, and I would date married, myself. So um. Amy had better watch out for you. Me. (laughs) Uh, So, like, uh, there were a lot of comedians who got, like, there's some really cheap, low-hanging fruit, you know, that you can wring out of uh, roasting Quibi as a concept that we, uh, you know, I don't know if we're going to play with that too much. The only reason we decided to come back to this was recently Roku. the, The point is, Quibi was a massive failure. It 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 had to have like ceased operations within a year and shut down and Can I can
0: I get a punch in here real quick before we get that? to the to the rest of it? I just want to say the idea of naming your streaming service based on like the premise behind the streaming service makes like no sense whatsoever. They'd be call it'd it, be like calling Netflix low budget random collection of things streaming service you know what i mean and you, then finding a way to make that palatable
1: you, you know the the thing is and someone pointed this out recently and it's so funny because when they first and, and this is past the era of um when when netflix actually started doing original programming they seriously were trying to position themselves as like an online hbo in the sense that like all they had like the high-end content for for the sopranos they had house of cards for sex in the city they had orange is the new black they were really trying to like cover their bases from that standpoint for game of thrones they had marco polo remember that and i do remember
0: that show and
1: then they realized that oh my god Our audience are a bunch of little piggies, a bunch of little oink oinkers who are going to just like watch whatever slop we put right in front of them. So, you know what? We're just going to be like TLC. On on the internet now, I, I find that
0: a little because even the even the real just real groaners that are getting pushed through Netflix, I find higher quality than TLC. Okay, you, but
1: you it's take my it's, point. You're, it's kindred in spirit. I'll give you that. Yeah. So the point is, like that air is long gone. But going back, was, was it ever actually fully in effect? Uh for a moment, you saw what they were going
0: for. Can someone please give me a positive review of Marco Polo? Uh
1: Benedict Wong was good in it, and uh, he was Genghis Khan in that, and then he uh, went to be in the uh, Marvel Universe, so, you know. Okay, fair fair enough. Going back to Quibi, um, it, it did fail, but to be fair, you can kind of, like, suggest that, okay, maybe launching it right at the time that a pandemic was happening was probably not the... Uh, most fortuitous bit of timing that they could come across. Um, And honestly, at the end of the day, I've told you this. I was like, I'm like half and half as to whether like legitimately Katzenberg and Whitman just um, miscalculated. And they had so much hubris from being successful for so many years in their various business ventures that they just could not see the glaring flaws in their schemes. And that this legitimately just failed because it did. Um, or if this was like some sort of like massive scam that was never supposed to be successful anyway, and there was like some weird financial machinations behind this that they just need to like have a business somewhere as like a front <laughs> for some sort of, op. I'm not even suggesting anything illegal, of course, because there's plenty of like legal things you can do with that. Point being, there is no more Quibi, but Roku. Roku, of course, being the thing that essentially is now, in a lot of ways, what Netflix was 10 years ago. Like, not literally, but you understand what I'm getting at, Yeah, they're
0: more so an amalgamator of other content instead of a producer of their own.
1: Except that now they have the Roku channel on there, and they're trying to pad out the content on that, and wouldn't you know it, before Quibi Crash and Burn... They did produce a ton of content, so Roku swept, swept in and said, you know what, uh, let's acquire this. Let's just lie to people and say these are Roku Originals. <laughs> uh, and oh, yeah, it, you do
0: get that giant Roku Original slide at the beginning of every yes, Quibi. Yes, it is. Um, which is, you know, that's a that's a bold thing to be putting your name all over. <laughs> um,
1: I And look, legitimately, Quibi, because, you know... Again, because of the names attached to it, you had a bunch of firms and such. They were investing in it, so you had the money. And their strategy was, okay, Gen Zers, they have no um, attention they span. They have short attention spans, So they're right? not going to watch. And see, Gen Zers are also the ones who will like keep on the same Twitch stream for like six hours. So it's like... <laughs> you it's, got, it's a you, weird back and forth thing. You know, thing. Uh, the point is, that's what they were thinking, but to really kind of solidify that this is real content they got in a bunch of like high profile filmmakers and actors and such you know behind the screen in front of the screen and um so no one can say they didn't have talent in fact it was funny because apparently Early in the negotiations, I read this somewhere. Like they tried approaching like YouTubers, like someone within Quibi tried to approach YouTubers because they'd already been like successful in creating short form content. But then yeah. someone high up said, "Nope, we're not even going to talk with <laughs> the Markiplier's of the world. I don't know if Markiplier specifically was approached. You, you take my point. We are going to uh, only get this A list talent, like the Kevin Hearts and the Chrissy Teagans of the world, and we are going to make this uh high end content and it was high end content in the sense that I can tell that money was spent yeah, you on can it. you
0: can tell they blew a, a lot of budget.
1: Uh but now that it just got added to Roku in the past like week or so um we could not pass up the opportunity to just Taste a little sampling of what Quibi had offered Just the get world. get a little Quibi of Quibi. And what um, the world had so promptly rejected. So there are several different programs from Quibi that are on Roku, the Roku channel right now. And specifically, we decided to focus on three of them. For um, action drama, we had The Fugitive, which is like the third or fourth different iteration of this franchise now. So sure. they, they had a new reboot of that. Um, we also had for our comedy, we had Die Hart with Kevin Hart, and we'll we'll get to the premise there soon. That's <laughs> wacky. But for reality television, we had Chrissy's Court. Chrissy's Court, which was one of the worst things I've ever seen. I'm just gonna like say it right up front, right? It was cloying. It was obnoxious. It was so self-obsessed. It was like it existed to be like the celebration of Chrissy Teigen as a brand and i could not stand it i couldn't i could not even fin- like all of these episodes are supposed to be like 7 to 9 minutes of, i don't know but the point is i could not even get through like half of it. yeah that. it was
0: <clears throat> you've never felt 7 minutes of your life go by slower than when you're watching a quibi
1: Because like the thing I feel like the
0: point was supposed to be, oh, well, it's short little bursts of content. But when you realize that you're going to have an ad break and a promotional thing between your little seven minute bits of, you know, frankly, half baked content, it just becomes this thing where I'm sitting there and I'm like, if I if, if someone produced something on this platform that I wanted to consume, this would be the worst feasibly imaginable way that I could consume that content
1: so yeah like let's go through each show yeah, and yeah, since yeah, we've yeah. already kind of talked about i think Christie's court the most let's just dive in with that one um so the premise here is that some unfortunate <laughs> souls decided that they wanted to give like christy tegan legal power over them in the context this of is the
0: closest you can get to doing saw in real life <laughs> Is literally just being like, "Hey, do you want to go on Chrissy's court and let her make a decision that is legally binding for you?"
1: Uh, and 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 they think they're being so cute when they lampshade it, like, "I'm gonna like be adjudicating small claims cases despite not having any qualifications whatsoever to do so." And I'm like, "No, no, no, no." Okay, sorry. Well, uh, I mean, that's
0: like what on like Judge Judy or whatever. Is, is Judge Judy a real judge? No, she's a real judge. Yeah, exactly. So it's not like Judge Judy was just like, you know, some chick. Yeah, like, right. yeah. like, you know, the point was that you took something that existed and then you filmed the reality. That was the reality TV part. Not the other way around. This is the Amanda show, Judge. And,
1: and, and again, <laughs> this is a thing. It's about Chrissy Teigen as a brand more than anything else. And yeah. Because her mom is in like, she's the... Her mom is the bailiff. Yes. And... John Legend showed up in at least the first episode. Literally as an the first witness. episode. He uh, was the
0: music expert. Yeah. <laughs> Which like, <laughs> all right, bro. Like,
1: um. Yeah. No. And you're,
0: you're the expert at crying after sex, not music. Oh
1: no. Um. Probably. John Legend,
0: come on the pod.
1: <laughs> yes. Uh. We want to talk with you about, <laughs> about the production after of the, <laughs> and the production of Chrissy's Court. Um. <laughs> We don't want to talk with Chrissy. I never want to be like in the same room as Chrissy Teigen. Can I, can I be honest
0: about something? What's I had that? to block Chrissy Teigen's account on Twitter <laughs> because every now and then I would get like promoted tweets or I would mm. get like a, you know, oh, this is a relevant topic or whatever. And I was like, first of all, the algorithm sucks. This is bad. But then I just I kept seeing stuff on my timeline and then like getting mad just out of nowhere about Chrissy Teigen. And I, I think specifically the tipping point was that time that she posted something along the lines of like trying to be relatable as like a mom or something, and mm-hmm. then someone commented was like, "You literally have full time house staff taking care of your kids. Like, right. don't be
1: relatable." And 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 we've kind of talked about Chrissy Teigen as <laughs> you know a, a, as a presence before, yeah. but we we've been we have made it very clear before that we don't like Chrissy we're, Teigen we're that much, but. Uh, this is like a perversely humorous time to be um talking about Chrissy Teigen right now because of the fact that there were recent allegations hey l- look this up real quick google chrissy teigen bullying allegation because she was like literally sending like telling like it was revealed recently that some like D-list celebrity from the past, and I, I'm I'm gonna try not to like disparage this person. Um, ha- apparently, um at the height of her fame, ten years ago, Chrissy Teigen had been like messaging this this girl this sorry person. She's non-binary. Um, had been messaging, um them, telling them to uh, kill themselves and things like that. Um, <laughs> it, the just the headline itself being.
0: Puberty doesn't stop at 18, guys. Just so you all know. That voice crack you just heard? Yeah. That was real. That was that was real. That's me. And that's, you know, that's the candidness you're going to get on The Daily Brain Bleed. Chrissy Teigen is accused of bullying a 16-year-old TV personality and telling them, quote, I can't wait for you to die. Now, obviously, that is conjecture. No one's been convicted of anything or whatever. But she did quit a voiceover role for Netflix's Never Have I Ever, mm-hmm. following them. And so... Anything less than just a PR person coming out and saying no, that literally didn't happen, is basically an admission of some type of guilt.
1: And see, yeah, and see, I I don't like to be the when there's smoke, there's fire guy, but <laughs> um, more often than not, someone made this point like. I don't know. I I remember hearing this on like one of the more recent Red Scare episodes of all places. So this is like third hand repeating someone, but I think this is true. The thing about Chrissy Teigen is that, um, once upon a time, like people were like racist because it was an effective way to be a bully. But Chrissy Teigen's much of her online brand recently was like. I'm going to be like performatively anti racist, and that's the best way to be a bully now instead of like, you know, performatively like woke and all that kind of thing has been yeah. like that's that's a certain kind of online bully that Chrissy Teigen has been for a while, and there are other people like that. But, um, her as a presence, I'm good, I'm not going to lie, it, 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 it is. Objectively making us very making it very hard for us to talk about the show as a show. But the thing is, Chrissy's Court does not exist as a concept that you can remove from Chrissy Teigen, the person. She is making it all about herself at every moment that, I, I'm sorry, I can't well, just that's, say. It's
0: kind of the point because it's yeah. Chrissy's Court. Yes. And so the thing is, if you're yes. going to do like this cult of personality show about this one person who has to carry the whole thing, you should maybe make it someone who's a bit more baseline likable.
1: Yeah. Perhaps. Like, if you did, like, name out of a hat, Tommy Wiseau's Court, and it was, like, (laughs) effectively the last show, and, like, uh, Mark or whatever his name in real life was the bailiff and whatever. I'd watch that and it could be, again, it'd be effectively the same show, but you know, he's a weird guy, but his personality is such that, oh, yeah, I can get behind that. But there are any number of different celebrities. I was about to say, you could
0: could have a comedian, you could have a more personable celebrity. Like, I don't know, literally, uh, name out of a hat, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Mm -hmm. I would have much preferred to watch that.
1: I, I would sooner watch like Alex Jones's court. Like, that would be that. It would be funny, you give, know.
0: Give me the world where Quibby approaches Alex Jones.
1: I, I don't know, man. It's just that there there is no redeeming social value to be wrought from Chrissy's court. It is one of the worst things that I've ever seen. And but to be fair to Quibby, except not really. Uh, this is not really a knock against them so much as Chrissy Teigen. So. Well, it's a knock
0: against them and their decision making. Well, yeah, certainly. sure.
1: But, like, okay. Um, but this was one, because I remember, like, in addition to her being hired for the show, um, Chrissy Teigen was also, um, uh, like, part of the advertising campaign for, like, the service ad, For Quibi yeah, at large. So, yeah. Yeah, no, not a great brand ambassador. You fucked up, and let's move on. I guess. Yeah,
0: um, no, So, uh, so I would advise don't spend your time watching it. Even ironically, it's not worth it. I did it as a service,
1: <laughs> so yeah, thank us for our service when we for, <laughs> for, watching, <laughs> for watching Chrissy's Court. Um, okay, so let's do uh, let's do the Fugitive next because
0: I have some more, right. I have some things to say about the Fugitive. So first and foremost, the Fugitive for me anyways was really painful to watch from a and this might be like just a weird aside my tv might have had some weird settings on it i don't know but like the 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 coloring and the way it was shot and everything was like everything was way too bright it was washed out yeah frankly. and it was like um, it looked like they looked used like a really bad film simulator or just like had their camera settings straight up wrong yeah let's let's and like i'm just it was really hard to watch.
1: Let's back up for a second because so the fugitive has at various points been a TV show. It's been it, w- it was a movie back in the '90s with uh, Harrison Ford, and I think Tommy Lee Jones actually won an Oscar. For oh him. yeah, but like what's. Tied in, you know, the various different iterations of this, to the best of my recollection, is that The Fugitive has always been about a guy who um, has previously had run-ins with the law and... Thus, when, like, a terrorist attack or some sort of plot or conspiracy or whatever is happening because of his shady past, he is wrongfully assumed to be part of it. And so he's on the run while trying to, like, clear his name and that sort of thing, right? And so you definitely get that plot line here because the lead is played by uh, Boyd Holbrook, who is... One of these guys that I feel like Hollywood has try- been trying to make happen for about five years. Don't stop. As a lady. And Don't He's do not it. bad. It's just like, he's been good. And so he was one of the bad guys in a uh, Logan, you know? And oh, so, yeah. Yeah. No, he was. And, uh, and, um, he was like the token white guy in the first season of Narcos. I'm oh. pretty sure unless I'm mixing it well, up with
0: completely unrecognizable from any form of talent <laughs> in this production. I will tell you uh, that right now.
1: Yeah. No. Um, so Okay, so yeah, and he is the fugitive who they assume that some sort of train bombing, the, the like LAPD, I guess, like he's he was behind it, and so
0: yeah, Yeah, sure. Um, this guy who did tax fraud, yeah, yes. his immediate next move is going to be, I don't know, to blow up an entire train to kill his parole officer. Yeah, like it, the. the the jumps like there okay. There's jumping to conclusions, and then there's literally hijacking a Boeing 747 to get to conclusions. <laughs> hijacking
1: the train to like full speed ahead toward those conclusions. And um, got a fairly stacked um supporting cast here. You have um Kiefer Sutherland yep. is in it, and uh, I guess I haven't seen him since 24 probably. You know, uh, I mean, let's be real, he. If you put him in
0: anything, you're like, "Oh, what's Jack Bauer doing here?" Yeah. Like that, he, he has become the role. And to be fair, his his uh, his portrayal of Jack Bauer for many many years on Twenty Four was great. Like, I I liked twenty four. I so watched just, it with my parents. So
1: well, yeah, when you put him as, you know, LAPD chief or whatever he is here, that you know, that immediately sells that kind of degree of authority, like, Oh yeah, no, definitely well, a-
0: it does, but they managed to make it kitschy somehow still yeah, because he's I walking know. around the whole time and he's like, Yes, boss. And it's like, you know, he's cussing in ways that like you could tell they wanted to up the swear count on this thing, but not in ways that actually felt organic for anybody. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's at one point where someone walks into his office and is like, Hey, you know, this is a big Terrorist attack. I know how your wife died. And he's like, I don't want to talk about my fucking dead wife. And it's
1: just like, that's not a person. <laughs> People don't say that. Um, slightly more organic, I think, in his role <laughs> was uh Glenn Howerton from Always Sunny was here um as I guess like the newspaper editor or whatever. Sure. And um he's always great and stuff, and I get the sense like he he now is what he, he, 10 five years ago, what is where Boyd Holbrook is now, in the sense that, like, everyone in Hollywood for a moment was trying to, like, make him something. He was one of, like, the finalists for um the role of Star Lord in Guardians of the Galaxy. Huh. And I remember, like, him, like, there was this interview recently where he's talking about how, you know, one of his big regrets was how he missed out on that role. And that's another time where it's come to me and my inner reactionary has come out on thoughts, like, remember what they took from you they took
0: <laughs> remember, uh, remember what they gave us instead perhaps
1: i mean i don't hate chris pratt like a lot of people do but i just think like yes dennis from always sunny yeah. is one of the most compelling actors that we have in anything and the fact that the, he could have been star lord he could have been like an a-list actor uh, and been like got that same career bump that Chris Pratt did. It, it, it feels as though we were robbed. It it really does. Um, but talking about, there's really not much to say about the fugitive. Like if I've never been a fugitive super fan, so um, if I, I can't really say whether you would like get more out <laughs> of it if you were. Can
0: I, can I make a can I make a parting glance at it? What's that in the first episode when the train bomb goes off? They, they're already like intentionally drawing the 9-11 connections. Oh, yeah. Even though we're led to believe this happens in L.A., not mm-hmm. in not New York. Mm-hmm. And so, like, first of all, weird pull. Like, I don't know if, if 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 I was standing somewhere and a bomb went off, my first thing isn't going to be, oh, it's the next 9-11. Like, the, just from a director or a writing room perspective, I just I don't understand why that had to be such a heavy handed thing. Mm-hmm. Cause it's, there's a lot of it in like the first two episodes, like a whole lot.
1: Like people make drawing, like not only like the, the imagery and such as is, is meant to be evocative, but literally people saying this is like nine eleven all over again. Yeah. And, and like um, his
0: wife, the, the police chief or the leader of the task force or whatever, like the picture of his wife on his desk shows that she died like in nine 11 with the date on it and everything. And it's just like, who had like the massive heart on for that? That yeah. was just like, I want to get in here
1: uh the the it's also like the as an action show it's like not good <laughs> like like the actual explosion at the beginning like the special effects are so bad and i see what they were going for it's like kind of the slow-mo thing to yeah. show but it it was just it was oddly cheap looking well, th- at what this was.
0: There was a scene like where we're seeing his home life briefly, which also, him interacting with his daughter, I've never seen a human being speak to a child like that. Mm-hmm. It was weird. But like there's a scene where there's this car pulling down the hill before we see the inside of the house. They animated something about it, because the way that the light was behaving was not natural at mm-hmm. all. It was like, c- they CGI'd that shot.
1: And, and it's like, but why? this might be like the same thing. I'll, I'll bring this up also with die heart, but to be fair, and again, this is not being fair to Quibi as much. Cause they are the ones who mandated the runtime, but to be fair, I guess to the creators and the actors and writers and everyone uh, involved with this, if it's, if like essentially the first like uh, episode of the fugitive in this show had been like normal length for television, uh, like an hour, even like 30 minutes. It might have unflow. It might have flowed in a bit more like organic. Yeah, manner. sure. Because uh, they were, they really did. Were stuffing a lot of exposition. They were uh, exposition. They, they were
0: speed running a pilot in seven minutes. Which, if you think about it, you know, just doing some math in my head real quick, a seven minute pilot, including opening and closing credits, you would have roughly four times the amount of screen time in a thirty minute. Yeah. And like no. four times. Um, That's insane in terms of just like the amount of stuff you can cram in there. And then even, you know, nowadays for a real dramatic show, you're looking at 45 to an hour per episode. Y- so.
1: Yeah. No. So there are probably shows, even really good shows, certainly high concept shows that might thrive under these conditions. But a an action drama series like this um it's not one of those shows it's not going to thrive under these conditions i don't think no um and just not much to really commend about it's not actively bad and offensive to me in the same way that chrissy's court was but i can't see why you'd go out of your way to look at this yeah no
0: i i wouldn't recommend it um so let's uh let's talk about Die Hard just real quick i found this the like It wasn't bad, so I don't hate it, but I also was not particularly interested in it just because, one, I don't find Kevin Hart particularly funny in a lot of things. And then, two, like, again, you're just, you're watching it, and you know you're on a seven-minute timetable, and it just, the whole experience kind
1: of sucks. I So the, the premise of this show is it's not only does this star Kevin Hart, but it's literally taking place from, like, the fictionalized perspective of, kevin kevin hart's playing himself right a fictionalized version of himself and i mean that's just generically true about kevin hart well yes but it's like (laughs) the the subtext is text here yeah it's literal it's literal and so in the world of the show he's dissatisfied with how his career is going he's dissatisfied with all of the um uh the, the lightweight sort of sidekick roles that he's getting, and he wants to be an action star, so he gets sent to go to, like, this action star boot camp being led by uh John Travolta but John <laughs> John Travolta here is not playing himself he's no. he's playing some like just some guy who leads and see this it it's it's weird and arbitrary when you get shows like this where some of like there are act like big actors in here who um are playing themselves but also like, if anything, John Travolta is more recognizable an actor, but he's playing a different guy. And it's it's a weird kind of suspension of disbelief that, OK, not only is Kevin Hart in this, but they're constantly name dropping like Matt Damon, Dwayne Johnson, Tom Cruise, all these guys. And OK, what about what about John Travolta? Have you ever met John Travolta, John Travolta? Um, the lead the lead actress. He's a
0: Scientologist, though, right? Yeah, he
1: is a Scientologist. Yeah. The lead actress in the show is um I believe I'm saying her name correctly here Nathalie Emmanuel who was um the the one woman of color in all of Game of Thrones and honestly she was also not playing herself but you know just a generic kind of TV actress who wanted to move on and do big roles and for that reason I think it might have been a slightly more meaningful had they actually had her play herself just in the sense of like some some rye commentary you could have gotten some rye commentary on like how hollywood has been like in this arms race to try to like turn all of the the younger actors and child actors from game of thrones into like self-sufficient movie stars themselves yeah. and they've been throwing roles in the way of like amelia clark and kit Harrington and all these guys so you could have you could have had some fun with that i think and like oh i'm a uh, i'm a uh, I'm one of these Game of Thrones actors, and you know they saw me on the show, and they want me to do all these other things, and so I have to, I have to go to this, this acting boot camp school, to Kevin Hart, yeah. run by not John Travolta.
0: Well, and then you also have okay, so they they make a Chuck Norris joke <laughs> in 2020, like because this was this was done in 2020, I think. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, like what?
1: Who who greenlit that? Who put that in the script? Um, yeah, no. Um, but the thing is, and I think I generally like Kevin Hart. Like, I'm not a huge fan of him, but I think you know he he he's he's funny. Getting he, the right he's role fine. and stuff. Yeah, he's But fine. but like so for it's not it, it it it's slightly above. I think where the fugitive is in the sense like. If you are a Kevin Hart fan, I'd go ahead and watch this, right? It's, it's like, it's a fun way to pass the time, if nothing else. If you truly just want to just rot your brain and watch TV and have nothing else on the queue, I guess. And you want
0: to be able to say that you have stumbled through an entire season of a Quibi, which has to be a very small, select group of people. Right. That doesn't even include the people who were in the Quibbies. I'm sure.
1: Yeah. Um... um yeah. Uh, so and and look, there are other Quibi shows on um Roku. I'm not sure if their entire original catalog is on there, but I know off the top of my head that they also had like some sort of Reno 911 continuation. And I'm sure some of the audience are gonna think that we are Philistines. At least for me when I say this, I'm I'm not gonna assume for you, but uh the reason I didn't go with that is because I, I never saw like the original Reno nine one one, did you? I've
0: like I remember I saw like three or four episodes on like old Comedy Central or something, like mm. way back in the day when I had cable. And like I never really saw the point. It just seemed kind of like the office, but worse and raunchier. I,
1: I know it has its cult following. Oh yeah, like, sure. I, like I've known people who are into who... Reno nine one one. So but... I maybe that's worth it from your standpoint if you're a big Reno 911 fan and have somehow not realized they have done more content in that world until listening to this podcast uh go to the Roku channel and you'll find some
0: you you've got something waiting for you they'll keep the lights on for you yeah um just as a quick little ending exercise here, because I, I, I feel like there's there's been a lot of a lot of negativity, a lot of I don't like this about this thing, at least from my end anyways, because genuinely speaking, I found the whole experience fairly unpleasant. If you could take an actual full budget, full length show and force like with a gun to their head, the directors and the cast and everybody to make a quibby version what show would you quibby not because you want to see it succeed or anything cuz obviously the formula is not great but just if you could have that exist in the world for you
1: um there's a way that I would cheat and do this and say that like um I would take the quibby version of like I this is a show that I've brought up quite, quite frequently here but I have Surprisingly few shows that I can say I uh, like legitimately like to begin with. Um, I would definitely see like a quibby version, not necessarily like a new version of the first season of True Detective, but just short seven minute clips here and there, just to see what Russ Cole's up to nowadays. You know, just to be with those care like there are any number in a world where like James Gandolfini was still with us, I would definitely like to just see short like clips of where him and his crew still are if. If half the cast of Silicon Valley had not turned out to be sex pests, I'd love to <laughs> s- uh, love to see Whoa, where what those guys do? are like, but actually going back and erasing the show as it is and forcing them to do a seven minute per episode version. Well, no, I meant, um, I meant
0: you could have both more or less. Okay, so that's uh, that's fine. I'll take that.
1: Uh, yeah, because they're, like for actual like story reasons, I can't see why you would do it, but simply just to like. You know, see what some of your old favorite characters... Monk, Monk, right? With Tony Shalhoub. Yeah, I'd see, yeah, 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 I'd yeah. see what Monk's up to. I'd see what the guys on Psych are up to, you know? So from that perspective, sure. But then that's like just asking me to say what shows that I like to the point where I would like want to Consume see. more content of it, Or yeah. just like not even like a full, again, new stories. Just like see what the characters are up to nowadays, you know? Um... Like, I w- I, I'm not a big office guy, so I would be entirely apathetic as to whether they do that again.
0: Um, yeah, no, it's cultural moment has uh, far since passed. Uh,
1: maybe Parks and Rec? Parks and Rec, you might even actually be able to do that show. You could Quibi- You could literally do episodes
0: Quibi. of Parks and Rec for Like Quibby.
1: Like, if it was a pseudo-documentary type thing, for some reason I feel like that would make it a little bit easier. Like, cause yeah. you, could, you could do maybe The Office in that sort of thing, because the whole point of the, the documentary type thing, is, like a pseudo, a mockumentary, I think is the term, is that um they are theoretically supposed to be like slices of life, you know, uh, people yeah, yeah. in The Office or in the local government building or whatever, and so... You could find, I think, a way to adapt that to seven minutes yeah. more easily. Well, I mean, than... a lot of
0: a lot of the best moments in the Office, you don't need the whole episode to have the moment. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's literally just these little skits, like uh, the, these little one-off scenes that are like ninety seconds long. So if you're the not fire trying, drill, the fire yeah.
1: drill, like that, that could be like a quibby. Or the, the
0: the the bit where Dwight they're doing like the CPR training. Sure, sure. you know, like that's that's
1: there's your quibby. The the right sensitivity there. training, you know, from um. Yeah. oh no uh no that could i i maybe because you're spending less time with the characters you and you're only seeing like the the wackiest moments you, yeah that would like take away some of the smaller character moments and you would get more biased toward characters like dwight or or or, or michael scott or whoever but um I, I've never really cared about, like, the Jims and Pams of the world. Anyway, yeah. like, I, they're like this cult of people out here who still idolize Jim and Pam as, like, the, the platonic ideal of what a couple should be and what humans should be. And I always thought Jim was a massive dick. I'm sorry. Uh, Well, I mean, so my thing,
0: I think, with the Jim and Pam thing, and this is a weird discussion to get into 50 minutes into an episode about Quibi. Why not? But this is our brand, is that it's so relatable in such a way where it's like, you know, they didn't have all of this massive amount of shit in common. They weren't like, oh, I do this and you do this. And it's just like, no, they were just real good buds. And it just kind of organically developed into, like, these really, really warm, really intimate feelings. And then, of course, you have the gatekeeper in Pam's boyfriend or fiancé at the time at the beginning of the show. And I think the reason people like it so much is because it's just so pure and undiluted and relatable mm. that it's it's not, you know, star-crossed lovers. It's not Romeo and Juliet. It, it's closer to reality than that.
1: It is pandering. It's pandering in the sense of, like... um, I know sometimes people will make memes and just try to remind people that in like a zombie apocalypse universe, you're probably not going to be like the lone survivor. You're probably going to be the zombie. Right. And so in that same sense with the office, uh, what they want the viewer, they want the viewer to like identify, I think closest with, um, Jim and Pam and think, Oh, all these guys are freaks, but you're not like them. You're like Jim and Pam, you know? And, um, uh, nah, you're I, Kelly. It's, it's <laughs> that. It's that. Like it's. It's a lack of like the fact that you know they're so fully invested. I think in those characters, evinces a sort of lack of empathy for the others who I think are. It. it at a certain point, it really just is like Jim is, like picking on this obviously autistic guy, and you know, <laughs> I <laughs> You know, there's not a lot of stuff going on there for me. Man,
0: I forget what's the 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 cat's name who plays Dwight. Uh, uh, Rain Wilson, you mean? Yeah, he uh, he was in a movie, but uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the movie now. I'll have to look it up. But it's God bless. I it it unlocked for me like a deep hidden memory that I had attempted to forget because it's. Uh, oh man, hang on, I'm, I'm gonna have to look it up. I'll edit this out later. You super,
1: super. Oh God, that was like James Gunn. You know, that, that that's old, but I mean, like, I well, the reason I bring up James Gunn is because the the for that reason, because of the he, the director from that went on to do Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, and all that I kind of stuff.
0: Wow, I would yes. not be able to draw a line between those two points yeah, that because was, Super
1: is that's gay-ish. a that's a dark movie. That's not a very pleasant movie, but it's it's unpleasant in like a good way. It's like okay, you can tell the people behind this you know, fully committed to their weird concept. And I guess from a, like I, I I like the movie, but even beyond that, from a career perspective, it, uh, it worked out for James Gunn. He's now does massive Marvel and DC movies. He's doing the next suicide squad. So uh, yeah,
0: it, it worked for him, but Holy crap. I remember finishing this joint and just being like,
1: what did I do? Did you see um he didn't direct this, but I think he like wrote and produced it or something, but um Brightburn, which was this came out more recently. But it was this Yeah, twenty nineteen, yeah. This spin on um the Superman origin story where there's, there's this guy who's like clearly there's this kid who's clearly doing like the same beats as, you know, early Super he, he crash landed on Earth and he's growing up in small town America, but the kid's a psychopath. And oh, it, it turns no. it on his head. It that is a messed up movie, that's really good. That's it's okay really so this, this is a film. Horror movie. Yeah, we, yeah. We yeah. might
0: have to do a we'll 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 plan this. We'll plan this off Let, here.
1: Let's do a James Gunn appreciation episode. And James Gunn, <laughs> if you listen to this, come on the pod. Come bro. on the pod. <laughs> uh we will not offer any sort of criticism when we will just like suck your dick the whole time probably. It'll
0: it'll be really hard to listen to because it'll <laughs> just be us f- falling all over each other trying to win it's
1: just really difficult i won't even ask you to look at my 38 screenplays (laughs) (laughs) i definitely won't ask you to to put me
0: on in a behind the scenes capacity where i just fetch water for people um yeah fetch
1: water for chris pratt though okay okay uh, yeah, Quibi—it so, was a failure, <laughs> and um, yeah, now we see why. I mean,
0: I think I, I, I think my my thing coming out of this is just friends don't let friends watch a Quibi. Yes. Like, if you have a friend that's like, you know, you're waiting you're waiting in line at a restaurant a lot chance the rapper from the promotional material, and they're like, "Oh man, you know, I could really go for a Quibi right now." Hit them.
1: Friends <laughs> would sooner let friends like inject crystal meth through their nipples than <laughs> then whatever this is like I'll,
0: I'll put it this way if my wife came home and I had Quibi on the TV I would just be like um I was on a sex hotline <laughs> <laughs> Wait, were you watching Quibi? No, no, I was on a My Little Pony site. Like literally anything else would be uh, would be a better thing to try to explain than why you were watching Quibi.
1: There's honestly probably um, a slightly more interesting and nuanced take that we could give about Quibi in the context of the streaming wars and how it's created this arms race for content. But we have just taken so much time today anyway that uh, we might say i might bring that up at some other point but uh yeah yeah
0: so i mean if you if you were hoping for an intelligent and thoughtful cross comparison of quibi across an industry yeah that's uh, that's a good summation of how uh how how that uh panned out for us um it just it doesn't I don't know like watching it it doesn't make me want to analyze it critically like in a really really super serious capacity because it's just like it's not even taking itself in that capacity no, you know what I mean like no. like why am I going to spend more IQ points thinking about why you would do this than you did in literally spending the millions of dollars to do it
1: right right right
0: so that's just where I'm at
1: yep uh, my name's Sucker my
0: name's Quibby.